When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Selby and I just told him uh I just told him a story that I probably should have waited till we started recording to tell so I'll tell it again real quick I'm an idiot and flushed paper towels in my toilet and uh around noon today and flooded my bathroom and uh told the first guest that's why I was late and I was like but you can't say it on air and uh started telling you and I hadn't even thought about what happened after was uh like always I go to the gym then I meditate and then to the podcast had one of the best meditations I've had in probably a year. Just total letting go, disillusion of the self. And as you just said so beautifully, what an, what an odd and unexpected trigger for a good meditation is, oh no, it's all coming apart. And sometimes that's what you need to meditate and go in and realize it's not coming apart. It never was together. None of this is real. And with that odd intro, Mr. Selby, please introduce <laughs> yourself. And I'm going to mute myself because I'm, I'm I'm getting feedback. So, Mr. Selby, please introduce yourself. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Joseph Selby, and uh, I think we're going to be talking about my book, The, the Yugas, today. Um, and I got to writing that book through kind of a, a two-sided approach to life. When I went off to uh, college, I went to University of Colorado, was thoroughly expecting to get a degree in science. Uh, I began to major in microbiology. I was really um, keen on it. It It was a fascinating subject at the time. And then somewhere about mid years in, uh, in the college flow, I had a uh, incredible uh, hallucinogenic experience that really opened me up in ways that had never been open. I just felt absolutely wonderful. <clears throat> I felt peaceful. I felt loving. I felt just relaxedly able to do everything. It was the kind of kind of person I would like to always be. Yeah. And I got that for you know, 24 hours, and then it began to fade. Uh, but it left this indelible mark on my heart and mind to figure out how to do that without drugs. So almost immediately, the timing was such that I was able to change my major, and I went in and took a deep dive into Western philosophy, and then later... I transferred to uh, UC Berkeley and I did a deep dive in uh, Indian, basically Indian philosophy and history and spiritual practices and yoga, which led me sort of step by step to discovering a spiritual community called Ananda, where I still live uh, 47 years later. And uh went deeper and deeper into the teachings of Yogananda, which is really what Ananda is based on. 
So part of Yogananda's teachings include a kind of a, an updated look at an ancient tradition in India known as the Yugas. And this ancient tradition is truly ancient. It goes back to like 6,000 BC kind of ancient. And the basic idea of yugas, the yugas is that there is a perpetual cycle of human development that waxes and wanes like the moon. So there are periods where we are growing uh, higher and higher in civilization and awareness, uh, which is a, the upswing we're on now. And then there are times when development sort of goes backwards. So mankind starts with a very high level uh, and gradually devolves only to repeat it again. So there's a, a waxing of human civilization and then a waning of human civilization. And call it human civilization, but really the core of it is its effect on the awareness of mankind. And then that uh, automatically, that awareness automatically translates to the kind of society that is developed and the things that those societies do. So the version of the yugas that I embraced um, was put forward by Yogananda's teacher, Sri Yukteswar. And Sri Yukteswar posited a cycle that was 24,000 years long. And the tradition in India now is a much, much longer cycle. So you can think of it in two ways. One is that there could be cycles within cycles. Um, Sri Yukteswar also said that there had been an error in the calculation of the yugas that occurred several thousand years ago. And that's what caused the what is now the Indian tradition to be so much longer. But whichever way you want to look at it, what I was captivated by was how the footprint of archaeology and the footprint of prehistory and uh, everything we know about the past actually mirrors really well that descending arc of the yugas. So I felt that there was outer corroboration for this notion that the, that the cycle was 24,000 years. So the high point of the cycle uh, was last achieved in about, let's get that, I gotta be careful with the numbers, about 11,900 BC, so a long time ago. And then it descends as it rises in, in distinct phases. And those phases are what we call the yugas. Yugas literally means ages. So there's four ages in this cycle. And if you can visualize the face of a clock, the highest phase starting at, you know, 12, the highest phase takes you to about 11, uh, or excuse me, takes you until about two o'clock. And then the second phase takes you to about eight o'clock. And then the third and fourth phase, which are increasingly smaller, gets you all the way down 
to six at the bottom of the clock. So the names they give these are indicative of, of the consciousness of man. So the highest age is Satya Yuga, and Satya is basically uh, godlike in meaning. Sat is a name for God, and Satya, so therefore, is, is godlike. Uh, the next one is Treta, and Treta literally means third, so it's the third age. And in the third age, mankind as a whole is said to be able to um, master the mind, where in Satya Yuga, there's an awareness of God, there is uh, a very high um, comprehension of reality in that age. In Treta Yuga, it's a little less, but it's still amazingly powerful and amazingly expansive to be able to control and know the mind. Gopara Yuga, which actually means the second Yuga, uh, is the age of energy. And this can be two kinds of energy. Outer energy, like discoveries in electricity and use of electricity, and then inner energy, uh, which is life force. And then finally, in the lowest age, mankind as a whole uh, comprehends only matter through the senses, doesn't have any deeper, subtle awareness. And that's known as Kali Yuga. Kali it literally means dark. So it corresponds to the, the dark ages that historians refer to. But generally, their dark age is much smaller. The Kali Yuga goes from um, 700 BC to 500 AD, and then from 500 AD on the upswing to 1700 AD. So Kali Yuga was experienced by mankind not that long ago. And what, sort of ironically, what we think of as history and the patterns of history that historians tend to think will all repeat themselves were really from the darkest time in mankind's development. So his uh. historic records kind of become thinner to find before 700 BC. And then increasingly there's more records that have been written down. We know more about yeah. Uh, the Greeks and the Romans and the Egyptians from that time forward, uh, all the way to the fall of Rome and the Dark Ages in Europe, and then swinging back up to 1700. So that's what we know. That's what's known as recorded history. So recorded history is, unfortunately, of the darkest times of mankind. And it makes people think that this is kind of who we are. This is how mankind behaves, uh, and it's very um, dark and violent in uh, an age in which life was cheap, right? That, that there was no, not even a glimmer of a concept of there being inalienable human rights. You had people who had the power, and everybody else was subject to their power, and that's just the way things were. So now we're entering fully into the upswing of Dwapara Yuga, which is this age of energy awareness. And the footprint for this is pretty clear because 
starting in about 1700 is when mankind began to exploit forms of energy that weren't uh, human power or animal power, or in some cases, water power. Those were the, the pinnacles of energy in Kali Yuga. But when we got into Dwapara Yuga, they found that you could heat water and create steam and do so much more work uh, per you know, energy output than people could that revolutionized Europe especially and then eventually the rest of the world. And then about 1800 and, in, and through the 1800s, uh, discoveries were made about electromagnetism, electricity, and um, you had all these laws put forward and corroborated. And eventually they began to exploit electricity by the end of the 1800s. These concepts of this subtle energy, that the notion that there's energy that you can't see, you can't touch, but nonetheless exists, and you could, by knowing about it, you can harness it. It's completely foreign to Kali Yuga. And then the big revolution came in the turn of the 20th century. And with Einstein's um, theory of relativity, the, the special theory of relativity, I was looking for that extra word, that he published in 1905, that's when he put forward the now, you know, the best known equation on the planet, E equals MC squared. So the meaning of E equals MC squared is that matter is energy and that it became an established fact that there is um, matter energy equivalence. So there's, so there's tons of energy compacted, so to speak, or congealed into matter, but it's really energy. And with, a, with a, a few equational strokes there, Einstein basically says matter in a, is an illusion. Yeah, Matter isn't what it seems to be. So this was the huge leap forward in Dwapara Yuga, that we understand not only how to exploit energy, but to realize that there is nothing but energy, um, that matter is, is a, uh, uh, an illusion that, you know, as some people have described it, is, is matter is energy dancing in ultra-rapid motions, in, 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 in patterns, held in patterns. I, I have to interrupt and quote the great Bill Hicks. Today, a young man on acid realized that all that all matter is merely energy condensed to a slow vibration, that we are all one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. There is no such thing as life. Death is but a dream, and we're the imaginations of ourselves. Here's Tom with the weather. Sorry, back to you. <laughs> That's a great quote. That's a great quote. So, so that realization is transforming our society uh, outwardly, uh, they've continued to, you know, dig deeper into the nature of reality with quantum physics. Um, and uh, that has given us, for better or worse, nuclear energy, 
Um, we have gotten into solar energy, which of course obviously has the benefits of not being so dangerous, but it harvests, harvests energy from the sun directly uh, and so forth. So we have a, an energy economy. You've probably all had this experience, <laughs> this realization when you're at work and the power goes out, there's absolutely nothing you can do. <laughs> you know, you just have to send everybody home because the whole enterprise is based on this use of electricity, powering computers and lights and so on. So we definitely live in an energy age. But um, there's also the other side of the coin, which I re uh, referred to just uh, a little bit ago, that there's inner energy that we discover as well as the outer energy. And the inner energy is life force. So I always tell this because it sort of illustrates what I mean. Uh, probably most people have done this trick where you rub your hands together and then, you know, you close your eyes and you pull your hands a little bit apart and you can start to feel that there's something between your palms, you know, that, that, you can kind of feel it compress. You can feel it stretch. But there's, there's energy there. There's something there. And I can't prove this, but I believe that in Kali Yuga, the average person couldn't experience that. That their nervous system is not refined enough to allow them to have this experience. So... What this has led to in our ascending Dwapara Yuga arc is that we're discovering uh, subtle energy ways to help us in our lives. So uh, we've got uh, acupuncture, we've got chiropractic, which are based on, you know, working with subtle energies in the body, getting them to flow more freely and eliminate blockages. Um, we have yoga, which is basically doing the same thing. You're stretching the body, not to strengthen the muscles like we commonly would with a workout, but to get out the kinks. And those kinks are not just uh, skeletal and, and muscular, but those kinks are letting the energy, the life force in the body for freely, flow freely up the spine. And then meditation, which allows us to directly try to redirect energy up the spine rather than indirectly through, you know, uh, postures. All of this is based on our ability to actually feel it and, and recognize that there's something there rather than just take it on faith that something's happening. And it's, it's, exploding all over the world. Yoga is practiced by something like 50, 75 million people worldwide. Meditation, uh, probably as many. So this is the gift, I say, of Dwapara Yuga. Because in other ways, Dwapara Yuga is not a very enlightened period of our time. Um, it is a time of people 
vying for more and more pieces of the pie. Uh, they're taking sort of the, the Kali Yuga desire to, you know, enjoy life through the senses and to, you know, eat, drink, and be merry when you've got the chance, uh, but then multiplying that times energy. And you have people who can amass, you know, a hundred billion dollars and you have countries, you know, that can annihilate each other. So that's the dark side of harnessing energy in Dwapara Yuga. And it's offset or being more and more offset by being able to feel it within yourself, which, which inevitably leads you to wanting to lead a more peaceful, harmonious, positive life. It's, I think I said it to you in our last episode, or it was someone else, because I've done 700 now. But it's like when I, when I first discovered meditation in college in like 2010, 2011, and I realized that when I'd come out of it, I was really focused for like 90 minutes. Instead of going, oh, I wonder what that light is inside. No, I was just like, oh, now I can study my pre-med courses for 90 minutes and then meditate for 30. And I used it as like a, a weapon to, to get into medical school. And it was like, no, you're finding like God and enlightenment. And I was like, oh, cool, better <laughs> grades. And it was like, it's like you're halfway there. You, you, have, that, you have that yearning of I want to conquer and compete. And you're, you're dipping your toes into that enlightenment and maybe, and I, even now I do it with the podcast, but even now I'm slowly getting to a point where I'm like, maybe it's not just a tool. Maybe there's more, maybe it's not about, I can do a better podcast if I have a clear head. Maybe it's what's in my heart. Maybe, maybe there's more to this life than a podcast. So it's, is, is that, is that right? You're kind of, you're taking that, that previous desire and you're playing with discovering nuclear energy but we use it to nuke a city instead of powering the world it's like we're getting there is that what you're saying right yeah okay. yeah i do think we're getting there and but it's it's a it's a rocky road um but i i i couldn't resist offering you a quote uh when you talked about using meditation to to get yourself in med school there's a story about a general in the um, just post-revolutionary wartime in America, uh, who became a Quaker. And he was talking to the leader of the Quakers, whose name eludes me uh, right now. And he said, you know, I really want to be a Quaker. I want to live among Quakers, but can I wear my sword? <laughs> you know, he's a general. It's like the sword is just part of him. And the guy's answer, beautiful answer, uh, was, as long as you can. In other words, being here and being transformed uh, will inevitably make you want to put that sword down. So it sort of doesn't matter what gets you started with meditation, whether it's trying to get through med school or anything else, um, or because, you know, some hot chick. Yeah. Yeah. wanted you to meditate with her sure it doesn't yeah. matter you know okay. um okay it will transform you because it is a transformative practice okay um and uh first and foremost uh, to go back to the beginning so um whenever i have an author on i read their book cover to cover because i feel like i owe that to them 
I didn't know you had a book on the yugas. I had watched a lecture of yours and I feel so bad. So I'm going to buy the book and I'm going to read it and we're going to do a podcast where I am fully read on it. Just FYI, I saw that when you said you wrote a book, I was like, oh no. So just get that out there. Um, but two, um, the cycles, yeah, it does. Like you said, E equals MC squared. There's sort of this, this marriage between the two that reflect one another. And I, I had this idea back in 2016 when it just kind of seemed like the world was going crazy. It was like, like, like Trump was in office. Blink-182 was at the top of the charts. The Chicago Cubs won the World Series. It was like, what, it's like, I was like, what? The, what happened? What? Yeah. But it made me think of, and I'm sure you're uh, familiar with it, Ray Kurzweil's, well, it's not, it's more of just a general theme, the technological singularity, right? It gets faster and right, faster and right. faster. But I started thinking about, and it goes hand in hand with what you said about work, right? The power goes off. You can't do any of this. We are tied to it. Power goes off. This podcast is over. Culture almost, it almost comes off of the growth of the technology, right? And I know that's a simplified statement, but just little things like memes or TikToks or likes or whatever, our culture is is definitely, it radiates from it, almost like a, like a shockwave from a fighter jet. Our culture is coming off and that obviously then it feeds back in. But so as the technology reaches a singularity, our cultural shifts are sort of reaching a singularity as well. What used to be big, big and scandalous in 2016 like a once a year story felt like it was happening every three days. I mean, 2020 is happening every hour. The murder hornets, it's COVID. Is it a bioweapon? Is Trump going to leave office? The riots in the cities. And it was like, oh no, what is good? Notre Dame's on fire. And it was like, what is going on? But it seems like as the technology goes faster and faster and faster, the culture kind of goes faster and faster and faster. And so that, I think, is kind of what you're saying about these growths of like from how we harness energy great book called energy by richard rhodes kind of talks about what you're talking about from using animals to just like the slow turning of the wheel and the water all the way up to like coal powered and fossil fuel powered and nuclear powered and fusion and then can we get into antimatter but then that's also like representative of us like what other things are we finding and again it's me i just got to study harder to no i found this shortcut it's called meditation so it's like you're getting there but as you move forward, it starts to kind of break away from it. So sorry for that quick word to takeaways. I will get the book. I will read it. And we will do a more thorough podcast on it. I didn't know you had a book. I apologize. And uh, number two, is that, was that, am I summarizing it correct? Am I, am I picking up what you're putting down? Am I getting close to it? Yeah, no, a lot of what you said uh, definitely is hitting the mark. Okay. So um the, the, there's another facet to the yugas that I think helps people understand where we are now, which is not only is there a uh, kind of a shared level of comprehension uh, among most people in each yuga. So in the Kali Yuga, they could only comprehend matter. And in our Dwapara Yuga, they can comprehend energy, both uh, exterior to us and, and within us. In Treta Yuga, they can comprehend thought directly. That, uh, Sri Yukteswar said, the common mode of communication would be telepathy. And ultimately, we have Satya Yuga, where mankind as a whole can comprehend God, the creator behind 
all things. But there's another way in which mankind responds to these increases of awareness and and subtle things that has to do with self-growth. So in Kali Yuga, it was really a really horrible time. (laughs) There's there's not many ways to say uh, it better than that it was horrible. Life was cheap. You know, they had people who... um, in the in the days of Julius Caesar, when he would invite people to the Colosseum for the games, there was a banner day, a great day that Julius Caesar had been planning and all his people had been planning, in which 10,000 people were killed Jesus Christ. in the Colosseum while people cheered and watched and ate hot dogs and drank and celebrated. It's such a bizarre thought that that was considered, you know, so it wonderful. Sounds, and there's, it sounds like hell, like people cheer. Yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of books that, you know, begin with the grandeur of Rome. Ah, Rome was the pits. Yeah. I mean, if you really, if you really read about it, uh, the way that they treated people was just horrific. And the Greeks weren't much better. They started at a higher level of thought about it, but then they descended um, almost as far as the the Romans. So Kali Yuga, you know, it also has the, the Middle Ages. It's got the plague. It's got the Dark Ages. It was a horrible time. So the kind of the, if you want to think of it this way, the, the key motivation for people in Kali Yuga was self-survival. You just did what you could to get through it without dying of disease or being killed by someone or being sent to war or whatever. And once we get into Dwapara Yuga, then the motivation switches to self-interest. And you might say self-survival is, you know, another kind of self-interest. Uh, but the self-interest in Dwapara Yuga is because there's so much more freedom to make things happen, like going to med school, like you know starting a business, like uh, any any pursuit that has some it's the, goal. It's the higher. It's the pyramid. Sorry to interrupt. It's the pyramid hierarchy, right? Food and shelter, and yeah. then job, and then love, and then fulfillment. Yeah, that's a good. That's a very good example. So, uh, in Dwapara Yuga, because we're self-interested. It's not particularly high-minded because your self-interest can and often is, shockingly, uh, at the cost of other people. Mm. That you get you get what you get because you can get it, uh, but you're not worried about whether you're destroying the environment or keeping people at minimum wage that yeah. is not a living wage or yeah, kids in Africa um, digging up the, the rare earth minerals so I can have a cheap iPhone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, there's probably, unfortunately yeah. a thousand things we could mention uh, sure. that we, we um, just kind of accept because that's, you know, that's the way things are. Right. 
Um, and it does drive and explain a lot of what happens in Dwapara Yuga. This is self-interest. And nations become self-interested. Mm. You know, we, we had uh, just four years of Trump, whose who's centerpiece was America first, right? Yeah, sure. And so um, other countries do it too. I, I don't mean to pick on Trump. I'm not trying to be political. Yeah. But it is a very common thing in countries. There are It's very difficult to be a country where the leaders have, you could save or either control of or the welfare of in their hands where they don't just try to get what they can for that country. Yeah. You don't see countries are just saying, you know, we're going to give away our wealth. We're going to send our people to work for you um, because we're not self-interested. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Yeah. It's what's expected. And, um, but there's a huge shift by the time we get to Treta Yuga. And then things evolve. So the closer we get to Treta Yuga, which is another 2,000 years plus, um, closer we get to it, the more we will have refined self-interest. You know, there's going to be a period of enlightened self-interest. Enlightened self-interest being, you know, I know that if I take care of other people, they will probably take care of me. The you know. So there's still maybe a self-interest quotient in there, right? Doing good deeds so that you rack up the good karma. And and that, you know, your life goes better as a result. So yeah. it's still, still kind of a little bit tainted with it. Getting closer. Still, we'll re- getting closer. It will refine. Exactly. Closer and closer. It will refine until we pass into Treta Yuga when mankind's... Uh, Motivation is self-mastery. Mm. And they're, what they're trying to master is their mind and their emotions uh, and their bodies in order to be of service, in order to be of greater service to mankind. And there'll be this kind of flip-flop. Right now, the kind of lowest paid but most selfless form of um, service or, or career, teachers, nurses, firemen, policemen are the lowest paid. They're not honored. The people who are the highest paid are the people who can manipulate the stock market Demons. to their, <laughs> yeah. you know, to their to their benefit, yeah. right? Uh, it's, so it's going to flip flop in Treta Yuga, where the people who are selfless and want to serve will be seen by society as being obviously the highest expression of mankind. And the people who hoard for themselves and try to have, you know, the most for themselves, they're going to be people who are generally looked down upon. And then finally, in uh, Satya Yuga, which is yet another 3,600 years beyond the end of Dwapara Yuga is when mankind as a whole will just seek God that everything they do will be just, to do that, yeah. to, to find God. And um, there will be people who are, you know, not so close to that goal and will have to work out karma and there will be, um, you know, conflict and problems, but, the vast majority of people will be simply 
uh, trying to go deep into God uh, with an awareness of God already. So it's like fine tuning yourself and feeling yourself expand into that infinity that is God. So that's mirrors each one of ourselves own journey through our own personal human development. And I believe in reincarnation and um, things like the, the yuga sort of suggest that it would be grossly unfair Right? To get if, screwed into Kali Yuga and then we're Yeah, we're, you get born in Kali Yuga and not in Sachi Yuga, you know, we just and be, we get utopia you, and they get hell. Yeah. No, right, that's what I was thinking right. the whole time. I was like, so there has to be like an even distribution. We're all gonna go through probably an infinite yes. number of times. We'll all go through them all. And we and we learn lessons in each one. Uh -huh. And so the lessons of Dwapara Yuga are really to um, you know, find that um, enlightened self-interest to tune into your own uh, life force, which you can use for anything. You can use it to get yourself through med school, to get um, to accomplish things. That we need to know our own power and be able to use our own power. You, you can't progress into mastering your thoughts if you can't master your life force as a basis as a starting point so each yuga gives you um important lessons and so for us as, as individuals we may be in dwapara yuga now but have spent time in treta yuga or even sacha yuga but we needed to 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 keep forging the steel so to speak in Dwapara Yuga to get that inner strength, to get that um, mastery of our own life force and power. Oh. And then we can finally like graduate all together, finally, from Dwapara Yuga. Oh, yeah. And then and then go to Treta Yuga and, and go further with that. But in one lifetime, you could go all the way. Mm -hmm. Your consciousness could become the consciousness, consciousness of Satya Yuga. Yeah. You don't have to be in Satya Yuga to achieve that. Um, and in some ways, the harder your life circumstances are, the bigger the challenge to rise to. But if you do rise to it, the greater the personal and spiritual growth. So, so in some ways, being born now, in this time, is you know we needed it. It was like it's like being sent to boot camp in the Marines. You know, yeah, you're not you're not going to like it, yeah, necessarily, but it it could transform you in ways that um, life you would can. never choose to to do on your own. I want to uh, three points I want to hit on, but then I, I kind of want to tell my t tell a story or kind of an I'll, I'll get to it instead of talking. Um, I mean, I think of like like high school, like I, I, I'm not nearly as buff now, but high school, I mean, I was like a bodybuilder. That's just all I did. And that was like brute force. Right. And I just told you about college kind of using meditation as a tool, got in super good shape, had the super hot girlfriend. I had like my own stock portfolio. I was working during the summer, saving, investing in Apple 4.0 student. I mean, just, I was just crushing it. And 
to me, that was like I was hitting this peak. And then like right after I, and I told you this and right after I graduated, it was around April 2014 when I lost my brother to suicide. And that was just straight down. And the first thing I did was decide not to go to medical school. Then I got into pharmacy school and decided not to go. Uh, then I started being a bad boyfriend. Then I started being a bad friend. I stopped working out. I stopped dieting. I stopped grooming, long, greasy hair. Stopped uh, working t- hard towards things. Just got a job at like a Smoothie King or like a Chinese restaurant. Stopped having these visions of, I want to be a doctor. It was just like, I just want to get by. Started just smoking pot nonstop. Started taking pills and drinking and had to use Benadryl to go to sleep and had to use Adderall to wake up. I mean, just really down, 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 becoming a meaner, more spiteful, more toxic self-hating person as I went down, 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 down. And when you're in that mode for so long, it's kind of like Kali Yuga, you start to look at your history as indicative of who you are as a whole. So you start to go, well, things always just fuck up anyway, and it just gets worse. So everything's going to get worse. And it happens that way. When I moved home, I love my parents to death, but any 25 year old doesn't want to move home with your parents. You just don't. I was in Georgia. I moved home to their home in Maryland. So I was 600 miles from every friend I had. So no social life, right? I moved home because I was suicidal and pretty much non-operable. Not soon after I moved home, girlfriend dumped me. Don't blame her. I was really, so I was fat, long, greasy hair, not taking care of myself. And I hated everyone and I blamed everyone. And all I could do is think about how I used to have it all. But through fits and starts, and it was a brutal five years, just me and my parents and no friends, no sex life, no partying, nothing. And just constantly yearning for the past and thinking the future was bleak. Slowly but surely, I started with writing and then I started with like video editing. And then I started like writing comedy, kind of like The Onion. And then I started, uh, taught myself graphic design and that was really cool. And, uh, and each one was a little more successful than the last and it would fall flat. Well, I would keep telling myself, I was like, all right. The first company just, it, it died in a week. The next one, it lasted for like a month. The graphic design thing lasted for like a year and a half. When I started the podcast, now my mind started to shift. I was like, maybe everything doesn't get worse. Maybe if I just keep working harder, it'll start to get better. And then when something good would happen, I wouldn't have this, uh, this that was a fluke. The next thing's really going to fuck me. No, it was like, oh, maybe I can do more. Maybe I can maybe make the podcast better. Get a better camera. I can't afford it. Go get a job. Save the money. Get a better microphone. Get some better paneling. Read more books. I don't need to be playing video games. I don't need to be listening to music. Listen to books. If I get more books on, I can have on more authors about those books and become well-versed in topics. And you start working harder and harder. And as I'm like moving forward, I'm down to 184 right now. My like fighting weight's like 165. I got up to 237 after I lost my brother. I'm down to like 184 right now and I'm chopping off more and more and more. And I'm realizing as I am moving forward, now I'm starting my new history is like the last five years of my life. Well, well, three years ago, the last five years of my life was nothing but hell. So I was like, it's going to get worse. Now what I'm drawing on is I'm like, keep working hard. Keep A year ago, if you had told me that the podcast would be paying for my own apartment and I wouldn't have to live with my parents, I would have thought you were high. I'm like, here I am. Here, now I can do push-ups again. But it's weird because there's this sort of there's this sort of um, amnesia that's lifting like a morning fog. And I'm going, mm-hmm. I'm going, I've been here before. And I was in college. Mm-hmm. I'm going, oh, yeah. And I'm working harder. And the meditations are now less and less. 
got to be focused so I can impress the guests. And now it's like, who can I talk to? Can the interview people that are running anti-human trafficking rings? How can I bring awareness to this? Maybe every episode doesn't need about be about these doctors testifying before the Senate about COVID. Maybe, you know, I can talk to you about the physics of God, or I can talk to Richard Rhodes about, you know, the, the, the psychology of violence. And I'm like, how can I help people? What can I do with that? How can I be a better person? How can I diet for the sake of self-discipline? How can I work hard for the sake of just making my parents proud? And there's still self-sufficiency. I'm like, I want to make money. But even now, it's like, how can I do the best thing I can now? How can I try to tie into more conversations the importance of love and understanding and not sound like a completely detached like hippie, like I, I get the, the world's a terrible place, but also... When you talk about a politician, you know, like a Biden, a Trump, a, a Fauci, a, a Bush, I try more and more to think about them as like, at one point they were like five years old and they were the, they were the jewel in their parents' eyes. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm getting at is like, there's almost like my own yoga cycle I'm experiencing. And it's like moving away from it's like well what else can i do i'm like i want to make a lot of money on this podcast but what i want to do it for is i like i really love to open like a medical school bent on mental health research and like name it after my brother like i don't give a shit about him. like i don't know don't name it don't name it tommy name it after john john keen kerrigan i'm like i want to do that and i'm moving more and more towards it but i can still feel these little like self-sufficiency things pulling me back. I'm like, but I also got to get some money for me, but I can feel it slowly lifting. But I kind of wanted to get that out before I forgot it. What you said about the Kaliugas and us thinking this is who we are. That's just the way humans are. We go to war, we kill each other, we rape, we do genocides. That's who we were for a while. I don't think that's who we have to be. And that really struck a chord with me. Every day doesn't get worse. Well, last year sucked, and now I'm moving home with my parents. Last year sucked moving home with my parents, and now I got dumped by my girlfriend. Last year sucked getting dumped from my girlfriend, and now I have like a drug addict. And it's like, sure, if you keep doing bad, you're going to start, your memories are going to be based on bad. If you start trying to be more open, start trying to open your heart more, or even just drop your ego at the beginning of this being like, screw it, let's tell the story about how I clogged my toilet this morning with paper towels like a <laughs> moron, right? But moving towards it more, I can almost feel my own microcosm, this sort of like yuga cycle. And I, I can definitely, maybe it's just the power of suggestion, who knows, but I can definitely see it going towards that, to how do I do more to help people? But even then, there's the altruism thing. I want to help people and I want to, you know, make a hospital for others. Why? So more people don't suffer from mental illness. Why? Well, I don't know. Then maybe everyone can participate in society. Well, then that still benefits me. And it's like, all right, we're getting there. We're getting there. But keep kind of moving forward. And it's more of the fog burns off, more of the the outside of like the caterpillar, more of it falls off, more of like the afterbirth washes away. And you you're kind of getting closer and closer to the center. And I guess that's my own personal technological singularity. I don't know what lies beyond that. Sorry for that rant. I had to get that out there. No, it's okay. I had to tell you. You, uh, you said a couple of times, and, and you just kind of closed your story with it, something that um, 
is very interesting about spiritual experience, spiritual growth, is that in the uh, Indian scriptures, they, they call it smriti, not that you need to know that word, but smriti means memory. And that the thought is that, and I've had this experience myself, is when you have deeper experiences in meditation or you have some kind of heart-opening experience, you say, of course. I've been here before. This is is who I really am. And you're remembering something that, you did know before. Yeah. You knew that you knew the whole enchilada uh-huh. before. And as you as you awaken, you keep having that experience of aha. I'm I'm back to something I used to be. Yeah. Back to an awareness I used to have. Um, and I think that is important for people to realize, you know, that the deck is stacked in our own favor. It's like- we can screw up intentionally a million times, but we're still going to find God. (laughs) We're still going to reunite with that because it's who we are. There's no avoiding the reality of, of who and what you are. It's not Eureka. It's, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not brand new. It's, Oh, it's, it's not seeing a picture for the first time. It's that nostalgia of finding a picture of you and your buddies from like high school. And you're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we smoked a cigarette that night. And we thought we were. It's. Do you remember? Oh, it's hearing an old song. It's not the first time, but you go, oh, you, you clean it off. Sorry, I know I keep interrupting you. I'm getting excited. Yeah, but it's mainly it's mainly a, a feeling. I've been here. You know, it is that you're describing sort of nostalgia. It's sort of nostalgia, but it's. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than anything that might have caused it. But it's still, ah, of course, this is me. When I was telling yeah. you and, and uh, listeners about my hallucinogenic experience, mm-hmm. that was also accompanied with, well, of course. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. This is what I'm like, oh, really. Yeah. We're all love. Yeah, you're on mushrooms yeah. in the middle of a field. You're like... Oh, duh, I forgot. We're all love and light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's, you know, another uh, a good teacher to me said that, you know, when most people say God is love, uh, there's no meaning behind it. But when you experience it, or when somebody who is, is experiencing it says it to you, you go, oh, of course, God God is love. It's not just this phrase that everybody tosses around. And you're amazed. You're in awe. You're you're moved to your core that God is love. Yeah. So direct experience is the only way to be sure of these higher truths. You can you can talk about it to someone who's skeptical and, and not make a dent. But if they go home and have a spiritual experience, they'll come back to you full of enthusiasm and say, tell me more. How, what was yours like? And how did you get there? And so forth. So it's really a, it's a journey of the heart primarily. Uh, another, another, I remember it was, um, was summer 2017. 
so I'd been home with my parents for about a year. Right when my girlfriend broke up with me. And I remember like walking up the stairs and, you know, part of me was sad. Another part of me was like, all right, this is just another beginning. It was maybe the first inklings of like the light kind of starting to shine like five years or three years before the podcast even started. But it was like the first little like maybe it's not all bad. But I vividly remember walking up the stairs and I was like, God, I, I just remember thinking, like, not even like God, like the entity. I was just like, there's a phrase. I was like, God, I don't know how many more like pains I can take moving home, losing a brother, like fat, overweight, addicted to drugs, hating myself, girlfriend leaving me. And I remember not a, not a voice because I, I feel like that kind of takes like a voice in my head that makes it sound crazy. But it was more so like that intuitive feeling when you're meditating. I vividly remember it was like getting struck by a, a by a bolt of lightning. Just like the words, like, "Do you really still th- your or was you really still think that this is unscripted and by chance?" Uh-huh. And it was just this, like, "Hey, man, there are still some more bad things to happen, but we're just laying out the act of the movie. We can't have the comeback without the fall." And it was just this, and then it was gone. And then there was a couple more years of just unimaginable terror and self hatred. But it was just this little. You really still think that this uh-huh. that this isn't like a this is a roller? It's not a car. You're on a roller. Like the track is set. Like you're fine. You're not going to actually crash. It's that's part of the ride. Is to scare you. But it was. Do you really still think this is unscripted? And even the podcast has ups and downs and then something happened and I'll get a big guest or someone will, will retweet it and I'll get a hundred subscribers in a day instead of two subscribers. And I'll be like, Oh, it's working. I can't believe it worked. And every once in a while, it's still like, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's doing the thing. It's getting better now, but you're still, you look at the stock market and it's up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, but you can see the big trends. And it's like, I mean, you know, peekaboo, peekaboo it's like you're still falling for it all right we'll do, we'll keep doing it but like all right it's all right man you you don't think it's scripted you st- all right i guess tommy you just keep rolling the dice i guess whatever but whatever floats your boat keep riding keep riding and then mm-hmm. there are experiences like you we're talking to dr Eb- eben alexander and john barnwell is kind of more like in, you know like yourself much more kind of awake people and i get these little like reminders that it's like it comes in the form of a podcast, but it's just these little like, you know, time out. Like, Tommy, you're still on the trip. You're doing the trip. Keep going. Open the heart. Oh, drop the ego. I'll see you again in a month, Tommy. And then you slip. It used to be that uh-huh. it was like a traveler on the road. It's 2022, so now it's just Selby popping up on my iMac, and we're having a talk. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's you slip away. You know, Barnwell will come up. And now Ben Alexander will come up and they'll look at you like the picture over your shoulder. Or like Ram Das would say about the picture of Neem Curly Baba. They look at you, or as Alan Watts would say, they look at you with those eyes. And it says, is this how you're coming on today, God? You, you don't fool me. You're not Tommy. You're not Selby. I'll go along with it, but you're not fooling me. And it's just these little, <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe uh-huh. I'm insane and I belong in an asylum, but that's the feeling I get. No, no, very common. <laughs> if you're in an asylum, then all the saints and sages are there with you. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's the direction. And it's hard for people who are, um, you know, just haven't had that moment, however small, that made them 
change course. It's hard for them to have any respect for or understand sure. why someone would make that turn in their life and, you know, not become a doctor or not finish some project or whatever. The countless different ways in which people are striving to move forward. Um, it seems very strange to them. But as soon as you have the experience, however hard one it is, you know, there's, uh, I don't know if you are aware of, um, oh, missing the name. It's terrible. You're fine. Who was it? What did they do? She, uh, she gives a lot of talks and she tells people how to kind of ask the four questions. Okay. I remember the four questions. I can't believe I... Who can't? No, it doesn't matter. What are the questions? Anyway, she hit bottom further down even than you were talking about for yourself. Sure. And she sort of came to with her face on the floor in a puddle of who knows what in a halfway house. And she woke up. Completely. Just. And she became a spiritual teacher. And she's very, very powerful woman. So that's always who we are. Yeah. Um, that, I, I don't recommend that as the pathway. No, 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 no. Anyone <laughs> listening, don't. You end up with face on the floor in a puddle of something. Don't do it that, intentionally. That doesn't always, do doesn't intentionally. always bring enlightenment. No. Uh, but... Uh, it's how close we are, in a sense, that we may think we're a million something, a million experiences, a million newfound abilities, a million miles from our goal. But our goal is just like right there, just it's just, just behind us, it's just, just right, with us, you know? It's just right. It's just we're all asleep in a room. Some of us wake up with an alarm clock. Some of us wake up naturally with the sun. Some of us bolt operate from the middle of a nightmare. Some of us fall out of bed. Some of us have yeah. a friend dump water on us. But we all kind of come to and we're just like, oh, we're just right here. Yeah. We're just right. Yeah. It's That's the other feeling you get is it's just, it's right there. It's And then, of course, we right fall asleep again. Yeah, of course. Well, that's, well, I mean, what else are <laughs> so we going to do for each other? <laughs> I think the trick of the spiritual life is just to have more of those moments when you're quicker awake and quicker and quicker and fewer of those moments when you're asleep mm -hmm. it's not for most of us it's not a no. snap of the fingers and you're there no. 24 hours a day 100 yeah. percent but um i wish but you can make more days you know the more yeah. you meditate the more you try to serve others the more you do things with a heart open um the more awake you you remain yeah i used to I can find this when I'm when I get more and more disciplined with my meditations and which is again like where I am right now, my own mini yuga cycle where it's like it's not just a thing I do for the it's like you do it every day. I don't care if there's a podcast, you do it every day. And you do it even if there's not a goal. You do it more, you do it more, you do it stricter, you go in deeper, deeper. Not in a strict like competing sense, but just like stay the path. The shift in mindset you have is Every day I, 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 do a, I do a meditation, just like every morning and every night I brush my teeth and every day I go to the gym, but it's just a thing I do. And the more you meditate, it kind of turns into a, I am a meditating 
reflective entity. And I also kind of do a day on the side, but mainly I am in here. I'll go live a life. It's called Tommy. It's on this thing called Earth. But I'm here and it becomes less of like a detour you take and more of the main road. And every once in a while, I got to jump off and do a podcast. I got to eat. I'm a biological being. It's some weird thing with thermodynamics. But I'm in here. And it yeah. it slowly shifts to, I do this with a, I'm a, I'm a solution with like a little bit of solvent and the solute becomes, a, you get what I'm saying. But yep. yeah, yeah, it's a, no, they're all, they're all great insights. Yeah. It's beautiful. But um, I have to run because I have another podcast after this because I'm uh, still in the self-sufficient, self, uh, self-survival, uh, self-interest mode where I got to have more podcasts because I got to grow the podcast. And you might be, you know, those listening, you might wonder, but we just had this talk. We just talked about how we don't need to do that. I'm a big believer in, like you said, direct experience. You can't just learn the Cal Yugas or the, all the Yugas and then go, oh, so let's just go straight to the end. You, you have to go. You have to go through. You have to drink the tequila and vomit, wake up, smell tequila, <laughs> and swear it off forever to get to that point. You can't just be told, don't drink tequila. You have to, you have to get your heart broken to realize, oh, look for red flags. Even though we've now talked about this and I quote unquote know this, I still have to pursue this podcast succeeding. I still have to pursue money. I still have to pursue attention. And I need to do those to realize that this, to experience that that's not where the answer is. Anyone can tell me this. I have to do it all to realize that there is no happiness in a big, in a nice car or a big house. But I haven't experienced that. So part of me still thinks there's that it's going to work. And deep down, I know it won't deep down. I know the end, the end of the road is going inside. I still have to, I got to go try all the food before I realize it's not going to make me happy. I have to do it anyway. And every once in a while, I'll talk to a Selby and he'll bring me back down. Good, uh, good friend of mine, spiritual teacher, uh, said that, uh, and he used his name. Um, in this case, it was, it was Kriyananda. He said, Kriyananda is an event for which I am responsible. Oh. Meaning this body, this personality, this role in this life. Um, I'm responsible for that. And so you should do it well. Yeah. You know, you want to you wanna play your part as well as you can. Uh, but just always keep in mind that it's a part. So uh, there's nothing in the spiritual path that says you shouldn't do outward activities, even if there is some measure of gain for you from them. It would practically be impossible to do anything, right? Yeah. If there wasn't some, some gain in it for you. Uh, but that's just really not the, the need. The need is to do those things, infuse them with service, learn from them. Everything that we do uh, increases our mastery of our life force. Uh, it, it develops our will. And you need that will to go deep in meditation. So they, they are a feedback process. The deeper you go in meditation, the more likely you are to be focused and concentrated in your daily life. And the more concentration you have in your daily life, the more it develops your will, the more you can go deep in meditation. So 
they're not at odds with each other. You just have to switch that attitude of I'm doing all these things to make myself happy because that's where you, that's where we get caught. Um, None of those, nothing that we do in and of itself can make us happy because the happiness is in here. Uh, It was once described to me as that having a desire for something is like pinching your finger. You just perpetually pinch your finger and then you finally get it. You go, Oh, that feels great. (laughs) (laughs) But it was you pinching yourself, pinching your happiness that's by good. thinking I'm not going to be happy unless I unless have that. I work it to- okay. And then you let go and you go, oh, you know, that was great. But, you know, a week later, whatever it was that you were so excited about has already faded. Yeah. Pinching the next You know, the, the, the glimmer, finger. the gloss has gone off of it already. Uh-huh. Um, so learning that is, is something that you just keep doing. It's not an easy thing. I don't want to make light of it. No. But it is central to helping you make more happiness within if you, you know, withdraw your attention and focus from trying to make happiness without. Uh, and it's, it's a tricky thing to learn, especially in relationships. You know, relationships, you, you tend to always want to get something yeah. from your relationships, right? Hold on. And yet... The more you learn to just give and not expect anything, the more you get. It's you kind get of a, in it. yeah. a paradox, right? It, it is. Oh, um, it is. Yeah. So, so those things are really, they're all valuable. It's why we're all here. I mean, as you were saying, I forget exactly the way you, you phrased it, but we are doing exactly what we should be doing. There is no accident that we are doing what we're doing. And rather than thinking, well, I need to kind of muddle through this until I can get to the thing that's really going to work for me. The good one, the house. That's the good gonna, one, whether it's the Lamborghini. You know, a lot of times people think, I'm going to, I just have to make a much, enough money so I can retire and then I can meditate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that retirement recedes in the distance all the time. And maybe once you get there, you're tired and you think, well, I got to, you know, I got to take a break for a while. I've got to lie on the beach you know, I, I, I need to run and eat good foods. And meditation keeps receding as well. Meditate now. Know that where you are and what you're doing is exactly what you should be doing. Learn from it. It's, it's a, and it's an opponent sometime, right? Yeah. It's an opponent that you're, you're playing tennis with. So you've got to focus on it. Do what you need to do to succeed in it. Don't feel like that's the wrong thing to be doing. Learn to succeed so that you grow, not because the success is going to make you happy. So so do things well. Do things with full energy. Do things with power and intention in order to become that powerful intentional person not to make things happen yeah it's yeah that's sometimes i would feel guilty i I gotta run but sometimes i feel guilty when i'm like pushing myself to meditate i'm like this shouldn't be like a this shouldn't be like an alpha dominating i gotta succeed but then i think 
every morning I don't want I've gone to the gym aside from that like five years of being lazy I've gone to the gym like almost every day for like close to 16 years I've never once wanted to go but every morning I go <laughs> I get on the treadmill I walk a mile by the time I'm finished with the mile my blood's flowing and then I look at the dumbbells and I go I don't want to do that about after two minutes of moving something clicks and you go all right let's work out and then you feel yeah. great so when I sit down and meditate now I don't feel guilty about I go hey Stop letting the mind focus. You know, part of me is like, no, you're supposed to be awakened and enlightened. I'm like, shut up, focus. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that yep. because that discipline and then it unlocks yep. it all. So like, um, real quick, and I know I keep, it's not like you have to go. I'm the one that said I had to go at 445 and now I'm running it over. I had a thought this morning walking to the gym, sunny, beautiful, and it just dawned on me. Um, is I don't make music, but let's say you did, right? We've all seen like videos or something, or you can just imagine it. You bring up the program on the computer, you add the the baseline, right? Cool, we got that. And you add like the, the percussion or the snare. I don't know anything about music. And then you add the maybe like a little electronic something. Then you add like a guitar riff, maybe some vocals, maybe some echoes, and you keep adding and adding and adding. You've got this song. Well, I was thinking like. What if you like visual? What if you add sights? All right. And then you add sounds. And now we move from like a video game to what about VR? What about where you could feel? And I was like, all right. And then if, what if you could add like the breeze and smells and you can make a video game and it feels like your legs are actually moving, even though you're playing a game in your living room and it feels like you're walking towards the gym. And I was like, and then you add in, you drag and drop. What if you dragged and dropped uh, emotions? You're excited. There's a cute girl or man, you're anxious, dude. I, I do not have enough money for rent. I don't know how I'm going to pull this off or whatever. And then what if you could pull in thoughts, just thoughts, like look at that dog over there. What if you just kept dragging and dropping onto this thing? And what if you just ran that song for 31 years? Would you eventually forget that it's just a song you're experiencing and it's not you? Well, well, there's still me. I'm experiencing it. What if that I was just one more thing dragged and dropped? What if there is no I? What if it's all part of the thing that's just... You play it long enough, you forget that... Is it Tommy? Or is this just an eloquently composed symphony? And I can't remember anything, but I've been listening to it for decades. Mm -hmm. Now I think it's me. But I just... She kept adding him in. Just kept adding him in. It's like when the music kind of turns off in the elevator. You're like, oh yeah, I forgot there was background music at the mall. It's just a thought I had, and I wanted to get it out. So now that it's recorded on video, we can, I can have <laughs> it because I'll go back to it eventually and remember this. But there's no point to that. I just wanted to tell you that I literally recorded it on my phone. I was like, I have to put this thought down. But just keep add this, add some noise, add some thoughts, add some memories, add some backstory. You have parents. There are other big figures. There's a Trump. There's a Biden. There's a, a Ukraine. COVID. I just keep adding it in. There's a son. Oh, we gotta we gotta have a, we gotta have some deep lore for the story. We'll add in the Bible and the Torah. And oh, we gotta have some rules how the game plays. We'll do physics or the physics of God. We'll we'll put in all these things. And you just keep adding. And you go. Oh, this is really cool. And it is cool. But if you play it long enough, you might forget that you're just playing. Right. That kind of you just get caught up in the game. Yeah. And, and then, forget it's a game. 
And yeah. then maybe the best part of the game is slowly remembering it's just a game. The Yugas with Joseph Selby. I'm going to buy it. Uh, I'm going to email you right now, and we're going to set up an actual episode where I read it because it's a personal point of like pride that I will never have someone on to talk about a book that I didn't read. Because if you're going to give me time out of your day, I owe you time out of mine. And um, Mr. Joseph Selby, thank you so much, sir. Your books will be in the description. As always, check them out, everybody. The Physics of God, great book on Audible. And um, look forward to chatting with you again, man. All right. Thanks for your time and uh, what you're doing to help people learn things. It's great. You as well. We're all, as Ramdas said, we're all walking each other home. So yep. I got to run because I'm an idiot and don't know how to budget time. Mr. Joseph Selby, thank you so much, sir. God Recording bless. Stopped. Stay safe, everybody. Take care.